0: Welcome to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast. A peek into the minds and strategies of the world's greatest copywriters, marketers, and persuasion experts. And now, here's your host, Brian Casingina.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast. I'm really excited today because I've got a guy on the call who, uh, who is really um, somebody who I've been following for a little while. But he's uh, um, had some massive success and he's really, um, well, I don't want to say that, that you're a, you're an up-and-coming copywriter because you've been around for a while and you had some uh, some more awesome results, which I'd love to hear more about. So, Justin Goff, I'd uh, really uh, thank, like to thank you for coming on the call today, man.
0: Yeah, man. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for your time. So, um, for uh, those who are not familiar with you, and, and I guess you... Uh, um, the way that you work your email list, um, there'll be some out there. Can you tell us a bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, so I definitely, um, I remained pretty underground for a long time. Um, So I started copywriting, man, this was like back in 2010 or so. I was kind of doing affiliate marketing before that. Um, And then I transferred, I, I was in the poker niche back when the poker boom was really big. I was doing affiliate stuff there. Um, and then that kind of fell apart and I decided to get into health and fitness. And this was kind of a time when paleo and CrossFit, I kind of saw that like, this was going to be a big thing. So it was like, like I said, 2009 or so, um, that kind of boomed in like, I don't know, probably like 2013 or so, yeah. but I, I got on that before that and had a product that I made on ClickBank, um, that I wrote all the copy. I did all the upsells, did all the traffic buying, um, basically within, took me about two months to get it dialed in. And within two months, um, I went from literally nothing, couldn't do a damn thing. Uh, I was actually almost like broke yeah. uh, and thinking about moving back in with my parents <laughs> to turning this offer around where I made like $100,000 in profit in like three months. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the start. And that, that, that product took off over the year. Uh, did really well that year. Um, that kind of was like my first, I would say like big hit uh, mm-hmm. copywriting wise. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Then I did a little freelancing. And then a couple of years ago, I started a supplement company called Patriot Health Alliance. And uh, me and my partner, Alan Baylor, uh, who also runs Fort Patriots, which is like the big survival brand, we grew that from uh, zero to $23 million in about two and a half years. Um, and then just back in 2017, I wound up selling my share of that uh, back to him. And uh, now, I, now I kind of focus mostly on Consulting and I help other people their copy, and then I do a couple training programs like our copy accelerator one, which mm. we talked about was stuff that I know for a little bit yeah yeah, that's awesome now what's really interesting is like, like you say you're
1: um you're underground and a lot of that's why a lot of people haven't heard of you you have you've you've uh, had so, some of these amazing results like you've created these companies out of thin air, but you uh, have been doing the copy and the funnels for them.
0: so have yeah, yeah. it's interesting so I'm, a lot of people call me a copywriter and a lot of people call me a funnel guy. Um, I've kind of realized of my- for copy. You're not allowed oh. a to hire for copywriting. I, I've kind of realized my main specialty is really just helping people make offers work on cold traffic. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. That's what all my clients want because they know as soon as they can make an offer work on cold traffic, it's like printing money. Mm. Um, when you can bring in 500 or 1,000 new customers a day, like that just creates everything that kind of runs the business. Um, that took me a while to learn too. Um, like I remember just dicking around so much with like my products and not, and focusing on things that didn't really matter. And then one day when Patriot power greens, which was our big hit, uh, really took off, it kind of went from, we were doing like 20 or 30 sales a day. And then like, we started like really dialing it in. We had like, we did most of like email stuff with it. Um, And we got it to the point where it was doing 600, 700 sales a day. And I just noticed how much revenue or profit we we're bringing in because our back end was already pretty dialed in. And it just, this thing finally just clicked. I was like, oh, if I can just dial in the front end and just keep that going, like we're just going to be rich as fuck because yeah, yeah. <laughs> the front end, the acquiring the customer is the hardest part of this business yeah, by far. Sure. Um, but once you get that dialed in, and you kind of, re- I, it just kind of dawned on me. I was like, oh, this business really, when you boil it down, is all about customer acquisition. That's really what it's about. Um, you can fuck up a lot of other things, but if you get the customer acquisition part right, you are going to make a lot of money.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about because uh, um, now you, you say you had the, the back end dialed in, so that, that was fine and that, and that was working. But once you nailed the front end stuff, that's when it really took off. So how, how does a person go about that these days? Because, uh, you know, um, uh, that that's the holy grail of, of of making any any business really hum. So, but there's yep. there's a lot of problems with uh, with compliance, and there's the problems with with uh, monetizing these front end funnels. You know, um, so
0: what's your trick to mastering that? Um, so it's definitely a lot more complicated nowadays. Like a couple of years ago, you hired someone like me, or you hired someone like Chris Ladad, and they wrote you a BSL, and you ran it everywhere and just ran traffic to it, and yeah. made a bunch of money. Those days, those days are pretty much over. Um, nowadays, uh, with all the clients I work with, it's mostly um, almost reverse engineering stuff. So it's like, okay, we want to scale on Facebook. What can we put on Facebook that Facebook is going to be okay with? Uh, that they're not going to like slap compliance wise. And that that's from like an offer standpoint, from a copy standpoint, uh, from everything. That's like, okay, then what? what can we sell as an upsell to it? Can we, if, if there's not like, I I've seen great products where I'm like, there's not really a good upsell that naturally fits with this that I know is yeah. going to convert at higher than 20% at a good average order value. So I, like, I wouldn't even do that product. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. if that first upsell is not like kicking ass, like this is never going to be able to scale. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a, a lot of it really starts with almost reverse reverse engineering and seeing hey, and what's already working. Um, that, that's step one, figure out what's already working for other people. Um, and then trying to figure out what you can actually do that Facebook is okay with. Cause like, I'll give you a good example. So like, if you're trying to do a diet program, Facebook looks very skeptically at that. Yeah. Uh, people do it. I, I know I have a bunch of people that I'm friends with or people that have been to my events that have showed, uh, kind of how they're making that work. But and then I have I have friends like my buddy, Dave Sinek, who does cookbooks in the paleo niche. Facebook looks at a cookbook very, very differently than they look at a diet program. Um, and the ability for them to scale like a paleo cookbook or a keto cookbook is a lot easier than the ability to scale uh, a diet product. Because Facebook just, like I said, they look at them very differently. Like ones like weight loss, which is probably the most scrutinized yeah. niche there is and that's the strange. other one's kind of like oh old lady buying a cookbook like, yeah, yeah 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 strange um is that really the key um
1: <clears throat> uh the other part about the upsells i'm really interested to dive into with you as well uh, if you can but uh um is that is that really the main key is that, is that something that, that that's really changed over the last few years uh like the old principles of copywriting and uh, I've read a, a, this about about this in your in your email newsletters, which is one of the few that I take time to read um so this is what this is what I've been taught over the last fifteen years of writing copy uh is the, exactly the kind of stuff which is now getting banned from Facebook and all the platforms um Is that a fair comment to say that's changed a lot
0: yeah definitely, and especially in the last six months or so um so yeah, I did a big email to my list about this, how copywriting in 2019 is not about writing the most persuasive copy It's a, and writing what you want. It's about writing for compliance on the mm-hmm. networks. Um, and I th- got a huge response from a lot of people when I wrote that saying, either people who are really good saying 100% you are dead on and other people yeah. saying, oh, shit, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, <laughs> because the thing is, like, you can actually write something that's, Legally compliant for Facebook, and they'll still ban it because like it's in a format they don't like or the mm. video's too long and they don't like like you know you gotta think of it almost from like the compliance people like the people who are approving and disapproving ads on Facebook are people who are making like ten bucks an hour mm. and like my like my friend Emily, who has a really popular uh product that runs well on Facebook, one of the compliance people like our v s l and there's like why are you talking on this video for 45 minutes? Like, I don't, people don't want to see it. And that was literally like the reason for disapproving it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she went back and made like a much more like gentler, like watered down version of her sales page. and Her new one's actually working. Um, but that's kind of like what's going on now is trying to figure out how to take that hard hitting VSL that you had that was kicking ass and make what I call kind of like a watered down direct response page that, that Facebook is okay yeah. with. So it's a like more, it's just it's almost like a
1: case of, you know, um, weak copy that runs is better than,
0: than strong copy that nobody sees. That is exactly correct. Um, and that, that took me actually a while too, because like, I would look at somebody's copy that's running on Facebook. And I'd be like, that's not like very good. And I'd be like, they could do this, 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 and like, yeah, yeah. Eventually, I came to that conclusion where I was like, "Well, it actually doesn't matter. Like, as long as it's fucking working, who yeah. cares? Because that's the reality. If, if it works and you can pull in three hundred, five hundred customers a day, who really cares what it says?" Mm, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, um,
1: but you could you could ramp up the persuasion on the back end because once they're on your email list, then obviously Facebook doesn't see any of that. So uh, yep. that's where you could really monetize the the back end there.
0: Yeah, and uh, actually, I exchanged a couple of emails about this with uh, Joe Schriefer who runs Agora Financial, which is like a $300 million company now. Uh, And he was like, 100%, he's like, complying on the front end, and on the back end, we're doing the hard-hitting stuff to our list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of the way a lot of people are moving. Um, Do you like to, like, uh,
1: um, it's kind of related, do you like to uh, send them straight to an offer, or does, if you... Drive clicks from a Facebook ad to some piece of content which doesn't have a, uh, any sales pitch on it. Is, does Facebook like that more, or do they sort of sniff around and find the offer in there anyway?
0: Um, it depends. Um, they are getting much more in depth. So this is actually surprising to me. So one of the guys who was at my uh, at an event in October, a high end like twenty five thousand dollar beat your control event. And one of the guys there, Matt Harman, who is really, really good with Facebook ads, kind of shocked me. He was like, Facebook now is actually going through every page of like your funnel. Um and they're actually also uh surveying people who buy your product and see what yeah, they experience. I've seen that. Yeah. Um that that was shocking to me. I I did not did not know that. Um but yeah, they they're getting a little more a lot of it also depends too on like how your relationship with Facebook is. Like if you're just running Facebook traffic and you don't have like an ad rep or anything, or you're not running it through an agency that's got like a good reputation, you're kind of at a disadvantage. Yeah. Uh, because if you can talk directly to them, you got a much better chance of like, okay, we know you're a good company um, and you can do this. Like you kind of look at um, stuff like Beachbody Beachbody gets away with shit that like internet marketers yeah. can never <laughs> do. Never do because Beachbody's a trusted brand. Um, and there's a, that's kind of why there's, there's a ton of power in building like a real brand because like I said, they, they let you, they'll let you run stuff that your average internet marketer can't run. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's really the long game then building up a brand, which, um, not
1: only, uh, um, it's valued by your customers, but also by the people who are uh, allowing you to run your ads.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a much more of a focus on branding with direct response companies, I would say in the last year, because um, they've realized this. Whether you're running on Facebook or Google or Taboola, whatever it is, having a recognizable brand definitely changes the game. Yeah, yeah, because I was writing copy for Mindvalley for about three years,
1: and they, uh, born on direct response over the last 10, 15 years, um, doing all the, the webinar opt-ins and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the last few years they have been really focused on the brand and dialing back the, the hypiness of, of the, the old stuff they used to have. And, and they spend, you know, a lot of money per month you know, six figures a month on, on, on ads. So, um, they've obviously got the rep and I've got the rep, the, uh, the relationship with Facebook and that, but, uh, um, <clears throat> but yeah, they're doing the same thing. Yep, Makes sense um so once you get somebody uh let's say uh your um you know this part which which for, for me is, is still something i'm still still trying to process really the fact that that uh you know you have to uh, water down this copy so much so that's the kind of thing uh that uh that the old school copywriters like me have been doing it for a long time and you, you have as well but it's, it's something we've got to get over so um, if we want to, if we want to use these platforms. That's that's a really uh important point that, that you've made here on this call, which which everybody kinda of needs to get. Once you've done that, if they, if they go through your cart, um, you know, the upsell um is something where, you know, the upsells in my my tiny funnels have, have been responsible for a big chunk of the revenue that I've made online. So um and when you're really doing good volume, they're critical. So um, how do you really now that upsell? And how just how important is that uh, uh, to your overall uh, front-end efforts?
0: Yeah, so I mean, the first upsell by far is the most important. Um, that's going to make up like 80% of your actual upsell revenue right on the first upsell. Um, I could tell you from working with, God, I don't know, probably 15 to 20 clients and then probably closer to 40 if you count like people who are in my coaching program. who so I help on their stuff. The biggest mistake people make with upsells uh, is not really reverse engineering it and coming up with uh, coming up with the, pr- they basically they make the product and they're like, okay, we have this product and this product. Let's stick one of them on there as an upsell. And that's the complete wrong way to do it. Mm. Uh, because the best upsells are always like really natural fits that, that, blend with the front end so i'll give you an example um in our old company we had a a free plus shipping offer for our patriot power green supplement it's basically like four bucks on the front end you get like seven little sample packs of it um and then the first upsell we sold them the big full-size canisters of it um that's a super natural flow where it's like yo you just bought the samples do you want to buy more of the big ones
1: yeah
0: um and that crushes. Um, So trying to figure out a way where you can get a a really natural flow. So like, you'll see people who do this, and um, so let's say somebody in Bizop who has like a Facebook ads course. Yeah, They'll do a Facebook ads course, and then their first upsell will be like, why don't you get my Twitter ads course or something? The reality is like, that guy who bought the Facebook ads course is interested in Facebook ads. like. Twitter has nothing to do with it. He'd be much better doing some type of like in-depth like masterclass on Facebook or like the advanced version of the Facebook course, stuff like that instead of going completely different direction. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause uh, um, the last product uh, that I created was some copywriting templates and the upsell that I created for that was uh, uh, me doing some video walkthroughs of how to use all the templates. So that's always got a very high uh, take rate on that product as well. So um, that seemed natural for for me to to create that product when I already had the first one, which was just the text files. You know, it's, it's much better to actually have the the VA walkthrough. So that seemed natural to me.
0: Yep, yeah, that, that's kind of the the idea. Um, The kind of the two, I would say, the two overall things I always go for with upsells is one, selling them kind of more of what they just bought, like especially if you're doing physical products, like. um, you're giving them a thing of survival food on the front end, sell them a yeah. bigger three-month supply of it as the upsell. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is basically trying to sell them something that makes it work faster. So mm-hmm. whatever they bought on the front end, here's how to make it work faster, or here's yeah. how to do it like more done for you so you don't have to do anything. Stuff yeah. like that. Like Those are kind of the main ways I kind of look at upsells.
1: Yeah, because I've seen so many examples. You buy some kind of marketing or copywriting course, and the, the upsell is uh, like uh, a traffic course, um, of driving paid traffic or something. So that's probably not really uh, natural enough. Um, it is a, another step in in the marketing funnel because that, that, that's obviously why they put it there. But is that not really the sort of thing that uh, um, that is the best upsell?
0: Yeah. So I mean, you look at look at something like. Agora, Agora sells financial newsletters. You buy the newsletter on the front end for thirty-nine bucks or whatever it is. Um, instead of trying to sell you other newsletters or other books as the first upsell, the first upsell is a year or a lifetime subscription mm-hmm. to that newsletter. Yeah. So something that you just paid thirty-nine bucks for, they're like, "Hey, we'll send it to you for the rest of your life." And I, I can't remember what they charge—maybe like two hundred bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. And that gets their—that's that, the best upsell they have ever found, and they just. Literally every Agora imprint division, there's like hundreds of them. Mm. Models that exact same model because it just works nonstop. Um, and that's kind of one of the cool things with upsells. Once you find something that works, like if you're in the supplement business, you find out this offer works, you can just replicate it over and over and over again. Yeah, that's the key as well. Not not to reinvent the wheel each time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. So do you have? Do you like to have? Um, Uh, three or four upsells Uh, is one usually good enough
0: Um, so I would say it definitely depends Um, I'm a bigger fan of of trying to get as much out of like two of them as possible because obviously like upsells piss people off it's not not anything that's like fun it's not a good customer experience but Mm. uh, it's the reality of you have to have it to make an offer work I, like, a lot of the stuff that we used to do had two, um, and then pretty much everything always had down sells. Um, that's kind of an area too where a lot of people leave a ton of money on the table. Um, if you're not doing down sells, you're you're leaving pretty mm-hmm. serious average order value on the table.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's that the same principle uh, with down sells. You can't just have
0: something completely unrelated. Yeah, I mean, the best downsells are always kind of offering them whatever you just offered them at either a cheaper price or monthly installment payments mm-hmm. or add like some extra bonuses to make the deal even better. Um, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I
1: yeah, I see really a lot, yeah. I see a lot of offers with, uh, you know, you've got on the sales page the Pay In full button and you've got like a, another button for payment plans. So um, is that a scenario where they're losing money because that could be a downsell? The payment
0: plan? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I mean, if they're smart, they've tested it and realized, okay, if we add this, it, it helps. True. Now that, that definitely works with higher price stuff. I mean, if something's mm-hmm. over like a thousand bucks, like yeah, for, for even people, bucks, yes. even people who are, have money will take payment plans. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and working with uh, big clients like Mindbody, you know, there's always a certain percentage of payment plans that, that do fall through. So. That, the full pay is always better, but, uh, um, but uh, payment plans do tend to increase, uh, sales a lot. Uh,
0: But I was gonna, yeah. We'll give give you an example of that. So, um, for the Copy Accelerator program that Stefan and I are doing, um, we we actually were not gonna offer payment plans at first and then we kind of like thought about it and I was like, yeah, we'll probably get a few more people to do it. Mm. It turns out like, 80% 80% of the people doing our program are doing the payment plans. Um, and we give them a little, like if you pay up front, it's like, instead of being 18 grand a year, or it's like 18 grand a year if you pay up front, but if you pay on the payment plans, it's more like twenty one and a half or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they get a better deal if they pay up front, but like, yeah, I mean, it's still like a lot of very, very successful people are just like, yeah, I'll take the payments. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely works yeah i've done that plenty of times myself
1: like people like todd brown and that you know um you know if this the payments are spread out over the, the whole year it becomes like a membership which is the uh, um the other question that uh that i that i, I wanted to ask you about upsells is uh, about selling continuity programs uh, as as an upsell i mean we know it's it's hard as a front-end product um but uh if, if someone buys a one-off product you know is uh, is a
0: continuity product a good upsell or downsell um so the, <laughs> it's a murky answer it it depends um i don't i personally don't have a lot of experience with doing them myself uh, i have a couple of people in my coaching programs who are doing them and doing well the ones i've seen that work tend to be in pretty like passionate niches where people are going to stick um so I'll give you an example. One of the guys in one of my coaching programs, uh, Caleb Osborne, is in a very specific – he's in the gun niche, but even a very specific part of the gun niche where, like, he, he literally sells products teaching people how to build, like, their own guns. Okay. Like, build, like, an AR-15 on your own. But he sells products like that. Um, so it's a very, like, hyper-focused niche. Mm-hmm. But, like, so one of his upsell, – he'll sell these little products on the front end. Like, it's like a DVD free shipping offer. And then his first upsell, he's basically like, yo, you bought the AR-15 one. I'm going to give you four more of these, how to build a pistol and a Glock and whatever all the guns are. He's like, and I'm going to give them to you for free if you join my newsletter, Um, whatever. He has a print newsletter that's like, Uh, I can't remember. It's like 50 to 75 bucks a month, somewhere in there. Um, but like he crushes it with that, because that's a pretty passionate niche. Where like once they start getting the newsletter, like they actually stick for five yeah. or six months, which you, you don't really see it that kind of thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. In most, like if you're in weight loss, nobody's <laughs> fucking sticking for six months. on
1: <laughs> so. uh, Internet marketing would probably be the same, but definitely weight loss. So, um, you wouldn't like to rely on a, on a on a on a continuity program.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just tough. In the niches where it's like such a um, just like instant buy where they're not really looking for anything, it's yeah. tough. Because like, yeah, that weight loss person in three weeks, they're going to be on – if they bought your keto book, like they're going to be on to something else. Yeah. And, uh, they're not going to – and it's same, same with biz op. Um, if you got like real business owners, different story, but mm. biz op, kind of the same way yeah yeah it's uh, a
1: lot a lot of money in business but uh um there are there's always a good churn churn of new people coming in yep um so do you think that uh um that uh these niches that we've been talking about uh and the 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 guidelines that that uh, you've given us to is that is that like are they like uh, uh hard and fast things you've proven over the last few years which i know they are but Um, Are those rules uh, um, flexible or even can they be broken with the right kind of marketing or the right kind of copy? Or is this just the way it is? Which rules are you referring to? Like uh, um, with uh, uh, the fact that uh, that, uh, uh, weight loss is is hard to sell a subscription
0: or um, uh, things like that. Um, No, they definitely can be broken. I'm much more a fan of like, like in that situation, I'm much more a fan of getting as much average order value up front Mm. as I can. Um, because when I get the money on day one, then I can make the media buying work a lot better. Um, whereas if I have to wait three months to break even like that, that really changes the metrics. Um, yeah, I mean, they can be broken. Definitely. I mean, some people, and it all depends on your business model. Like having a business model with, uh, a couple thousand newsletter subscribers paying you fifty bucks a month, like, is a pretty damn cool business model because it's infinitely scalable. Um, so yeah, it really, like I said, it really depends on what you want and kind of what your back end is. And yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but but the I, I guess the uh, um, the point I'm making it is is it. The, the, the rules that can't be broken is the, is, uh, the stuff about uh, um, being compliant with Facebook. Um, because we, we know now that, uh, uh, that it's better to have a compliant copy that, that's uh, at least running. And are, are there any other options? Is Facebook and Google really the, the only two options if you, wanna, if you wanna scale up big on traffic? Is there anything else realistic? Or is it just like uh, um, drops in the ocean?
0: no you you can you can go the other way i mean I know multiple people running kind of non compliant black hat type stuff that are doing thousands of sales a day uh mostly through email and less like lesser known second tier like ad networks um and they're making that work so there there's definitely you can do the same thing on on like i said on on the black hat side um the the problem with that, though, is obviously there's way more risk. Um, the true scalability would come, though, from Facebook and Taboola and AdWord I mean, and Google, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So as long as you stick with the uh, the
1: big like brand name platforms, that's where um, the best bet is if you want to scale. If you want to scale a real business.
0: Yeah, and it, it depends too. Like. Like if you're a solopreneur and it's just you and you're making 200 sales a day through email, like you might be happy with that because yeah. now you're making six figures and that's great. I mean, if you've got a company that's a $50 million company, it's like you can't just rely on one traffic source. It's yeah, like, true. That's kind of been one of the big shifts I've seen over the last six months where everybody that was focusing on email and affiliates is really putting like all their eggs in the Facebook and Google display mm-hmm. network. Um, yeah. And trying
1: to there. yeah. And, um, like do you ever customize any parts of your funnels with different platforms or, or is it just a uh, one size fits all? Um,
0: no, they're, they're usually pretty similar. Um, yeah, I mean, unless you're selling something that you'd, as like an upsell where like Facebook would, would not be. There, there, sometimes there's stuff in terms of like if your video auto plays, Facebook might not be okay with that mm-hmm. on like the upsell. Mm-hmm. So, certain times, yeah, there is stuff that you might need to change a little bit. Um, so, Facebook knows about the upsells as well.
1: Yes. So, they don't just opt in to um, your uh,
0: free stuff, they actually go through the whole thing. So if you're advertising, let's say you're selling a a flashlight in the survival niche on Facebook, they're going to not only look at your sales page, they're going to look at the next page, which would probably be your first upsell. Mm. Uh, They might look at like the page after that. Um, Yeah, they they do go a little further. They're not as picky though about the pages further down the funnel from what what I can tell. Um, Like I know people who... I know people who are running like quizzes. I have a couple of people in my coaching programs that are running quizzes at pretty high volume and the landing page for the quiz and like the results page for the quiz, like some of those matter, but like past that Facebook doesn't really care as much because um, mm-hmm. they're not going to go, they're not going to go through 15 pages and get all the way to like your last thing. If you have a yeah. you know, 12 question quiz, Mm, interesting. Yeah, but
1: they're certainly diving a lot deeper into funnels than I ever thought they, that they did
0: <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, like I said, I was, I was pretty surprised when uh, I found that out like last October and I was I was kind of a wake-up call to me Yeah, cause I thought they were just uh,
1: um see behind a, a landing page with a, with an opt-in but uh, But uh, obviously they they're they're catching on to uh, Catching on to what we're doing. We've got to do the right thing on on all our pages Yep. So what's the, what's the, what's the one thing that just to bear in mind, if you're, if you're, uh, running a funnel to cold traffic or something like that, uh, whatever upsells you have and whatever kind of offers you have, what's,
0: what's one principle that, that people need to remember? I would say, so this is really kind of come to my mind a lot lately with, um, so like I said, I have two coaching programs. One has, 10 people in it. The other one has about 55 and the the 55 one, it's all copywriters and marketers. That's the one that I do with stuff. And, um, and this one thing keeps coming up over and over again. And it's something that people actually don't like to hear because everybody says it. Um, and I, I just realized over and over, it's like, people are like, what offer should I do? What, um, do you think this copy like works? And we're giving them feedback on it. And I realize over and over again, I'm like, these people just, don't have any idea of who the customer is they've never not only do they, they have like a vague idea but it's like they've never actually spoken to any of the customers in person they've never spoken to them on the phone they've never like read through all the customer service emails so i'm like if you were speaking to these people on a daily basis you wouldn't be asking me what product should should we do yeah. or does this headline because you, you would have a pretty damn good idea that like mm-hmm here's what they want. Like I know from working with my clients personally, that the biggest thing they want is how to make an offer work on cold traffic. Mm. It is by far the biggest thing that will change their business. It'll bring them more customers. Um, that's what they want more than anything else. And I know that because I work with tons of companies and it's just very obvious to me cause that's what they hire me to do. Um, so in terms of like what I offer them, it's like, that's what I offer them cause I know that's what they want. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of copywriters, just truly—they don't have the in-depth knowledge of who their customer is, what they really want, what's like their, what's their frustration that's like pissing them off like multiple yeah. times a week. What's the pain point that if you could fix that for them, like all that stuff, they, they just don't—they don't know that on a deep enough level. Um, and the cool thing is, like, if you actually figure that out, you only—if you're writing to the same market all the time you only have to do it really like once. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're writing for the survival market, write up a big three-page thing of like who this customer is, what his day is like, um what he's pissed off about, who he hates, what he ultimately like dreams of having, all that kind of stuff. And that that completely changes the way you write copy. Yeah, yeah, I have a questionnaire that uh, that my clients get which I ask
1: ask those questions, but usually the answers um with rare exception are uh, just like surf- surface level answers so yeah um, one thing i always do is is try and and uh, and ask if i can speak to some customers actually on the phone and uh, and you're right no no everyone it's everyone says it and it's and it's uh, that's because it's true but but nobody wants to do the work you know we want right. to sit on the beach and uh, we want to um take take instagram selfies on the beach and we want to uh, live the laptop lifestyle and and uh, you know just have money fall, fall from the sky but uh, but uh, that's not that's not quite how it works.
0: <laughs> yeah I mean I, it was interesting because I honestly had the same thing so I've written some copy uh, for the survival niche and um, I actually went uh for one of the VSLs I was doing I went and like interviewed a bunch of them because I was doing like testimonial stuff and being in like three or four of their houses completely changed how I thought Mm. about this market and actually talking to him for like an hour. Yeah. I really, it just hit me like a load of bricks. I was like, wow, I'm talking so far over their heads in terms of like what I was saying. I was like, I need to bring this down and like simplify it. And like, I started to see like, like the survival buyer in general is like a very blue collar person who lives in Texas um, or the Midwest or whatever like that. And I kind of was writing to a more higher end, like survival Mm. buyer, some guy who has investments and makes 200 grand a year. Who's kind of more like a professional, like there's slivers of that in the survival market. But the majority I'm like, are somebody buying a $1,500 generator and they might be living in a trailer home. Mm. Uh, So it's like, it's a very, it's a very different buyer than what I had in my head. But like, actually, like I said, it doesn't take much, like go talk to three or four of them and you'll, You'll be a hundred times ahead of where you were if you didn't do it at all.
1: Yeah, and if you kept your copy the the way you run it before, it just would have uh, um, really struggled. It would have t- just tanked, you know, because uh, it's totally out of line with what they're thinking.
0: Yes, yeah. And it's very obvious too when someone doesn't have a deep, deep knowledge of, of who that buyer is. The right copy, that's that's okay. It, but it's all like very surface level. It's not yeah. really like digging into uh, the emotional kind of pain points that, yeah. uh, that you know are there.
1: That, that's what I like about your email newsletter, you know, um, you really uh, dive into the, uh, um, the, the the fine points of stuff as much as you can in, in one email. But uh, um, but that's something that, that I find really valuable. In it. So um, so I w- wonder if you can tell people how they can get on your email list. Because I know you don't have a, like a, the usual pro... Process of having having a sign up form say please opt in here you don't have that
0: yeah I'm, I'm the other way I repel people <laughs> um, so yeah my email list is private uh, you can't just opt into it um, and the reason I and it's, it actually intentionally I keep it small because I actually respond to people who who email me back and it's more of like a high level thing like most of the people I work with tend to be higher level I don't just take like noobs off the warrior forum and like put them on here um but yeah if anybody wants to get on it it's uh justingofflist.com um you just go there and there's a there's an application with about six questions and i actually go through all the applications and see if you're a good fit basically if you're a good copywriter media buyer business owner um in the direct response niche uh i let you on the list so yeah right I, now I, I, think- I got in <laughs> Yeah, you gotta got it. Right out to like, <laughs> I think it's like 720 people. Yeah, uh, so a super small list. My buddy Ian Stanley always tells me that I have the most profitable per, per subscriber list on the planet. Oh, you would do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you calculated
1: your your value per subscriber. You know, it'd be it'd be absolutely insane. Yeah, it's, it's pretty high. Yeah, um, so, yeah. So I'm gonna chuck a, a, a link to that. Uh, um, on the site. And if you're listening on iTunes or whatever, uh, just go to justingofflist.com. Uh, but don't go there thinking you're going to sign up and get a, get a free PDF that's going to gather dust on your uh, computer. Like, like, most opt-ins, uh, this is an application process and, um, you will have to actually pass muster, but, uh, but if you get in, uh, it's definitely worth it. So I highly advise you to justingofflist.com. And, uh, if you can, uh, if you qualify, then you can get on the list.
0: Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, it, it's it's a very high-quality list in the sense that probably every big name and direct response that you would know is on there. Um, yeah. Craig Clemens from Golden Hippo, Joe for my old partner Alan Baylor, um, every Chris Adda, and David Deutsch, all the big copywriters. It's a pretty, pretty packed. What I find really cool is, like, when I talk about things that I kind of see happening and then I get responses from mm. 10, 15 people who are like running hundred million dollar companies. and are like, yeah, we see that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that That's always cool to kind of stay on the cutting edge of like really yeah. what's going on.
1: Yeah. And I wasn't just, uh, um, uh, blowing smoke up your ass before it really is one of the, the few email lists that I take time. You know, when an email comes in, sit down and read it. And, uh, um, it's always got something pretty valuable on it. So, uh, awesome. If, Thanks yeah. man. Yeah, if you get on the, uh, if you can get on the list, then get on it. So um, I'd like to finish off by uh, inviting you uh, to come back another time because one, one other thing I wanted to uh, talk to you, which we don't have time today, is about direct mail. So um, let me get this. It's just out of reach. Here it is. So for um, for those listening on iTunes, oh, no. I'm I'm holding up. Uh, Justin's awesome direct mail package, which is one of the things that he used to uh, to uh, get people along to that that big seminar that you ran. Um, so this is one of my um, prized swipes now. Uh, I've had a lot of requests to do unboxing videos of that thing. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't want me to ex- expose all his marketing. Um, but yeah, if if you want to if you want to come back sometime and talk direct mail, that that'd be really awesome as well. So yeah,
0: that'd be cool. I, I actually I don't have a huge amount of experience in direct mail. Um, that was probably one of the first things I've ever done where I really just put it together from scratch. Uh, I mailed it to my whole list. Yeah. Um, it, it, what shocked me was the response it got um, on social media. Like yeah. I had probably I don't know forty people on Facebook like take a picture with it or a video with it and like post it on Facebook. Um, yeah. That, that I, yeah. I was not expecting whatsoever. That's where I, uh, that's where I got all these, press I'm doing an unboxing video, man. <laughs> this is a guy's marketing
1: pack here. I'm not going <laughs> to show all of that. But yeah, it, w- it was interesting.
0: Yeah, it, it did really well too. I mean, it got, I think I had 20, I had 21 people at that event. Uh, about 15 of them paid 25 grand to be there. Mm. And then, Mm-hmm. The others were like kind of like bring a partner for an extra five grand. Um, but yeah, it, for me getting to a business owner that worked a lot better than like a VSL or because it, it, yeah. it completely changes how they perceive like the event. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I remember seeing uh, um, people all over the world
1: uh, uh, start to receive those because um, I'm, I'm on my friends list. is a lot of people on, on your email list and then I got mine all, all the way over here in Bangkok, Thailand. And, and, <laughs> And it was it was, it was it was like one of the best, uh, it's probably the best uh, shock and awe package that that I that I've received uh, nice. for many years. And no one does direct mail anymore, anyway. But uh, except for you, so so that was good. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, justin.golflist. dot com is the site to go to if you qualify. You can get on this list. It's an application process. If if you go there and check it out, and uh, if you can get on the list, I highly advise it. it's very valuable. So. Thanks for coming on, Justin. I, I know your time's very valuable as well. So I appreciate you sharing uh, all these insights with us. Um, it's been really awesome.
0: Awesome, Matt. Thanks
1: for having me. Thanks, man.
0: Thank you for listening to Geniuses of Copywriting with Brian Casagina. To get the full transcript and all the resources mentioned on today's show, go to www.geniusesofcopywriting.com now.